welcome to this week in sparkling water. My name is Joachim Eriksson and I will be your host. There are many experimental things about the format here. We are in a car for the first time, so there's a lot of creaky leather. Also, today I have a guest, Matt Cardi. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Okay. Matt, how do we know each other? We met in the year 2005 or six. Yeah, six. Oh six, Shanghai. Mm. You were about nineteen, and I was probably about nineteen. Yeah, twenty. Or you know, nineteen twenty. Yeah. What's the first thing you think about when you think about Shanghai? Like what? What do you remember? Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That's freedom. A personal freedom. Personal freedom. It's like the feeling. For me, it's like I, I tell people. You know, your average American that thinks about China as like communist China and control and killing people for minor infractions and stuff. But for me, in my experience, going to China it, as a young person, never really being on my own, it was it was ultimate freedom, ultimate freedom. It's funny. I've said that same thing to many people where it's like it was the freest I've ever been. But that's very surprising to people because it's like right. supposed to not be a free society. And it's not a free society. It's not a free society for everyone. No, but it's a very unequal society. And maybe we just sort of like banana skid slid into a position of right. well, extreme in, freedom. In the time period that we went there. Mm. So they were encouraging a lot of foreigners to come there because they wanted to a lot, bring in a lot of new industry mm. and bring... You know, all their connections with them, the foreigners. It was that, the inclusivism era. Right. An so, era that's maybe so ended. Basically, there there was actual government policies that foreigner, you know, foreigners got a break. You know, they were just crazy weird foreigners, and we were supposed to have extra tolerance towards them. Yeah. Whilst in the rest of society in China, there was not like that for your average person. So us being just weird and foreign in general yeah. and wanting us there it was this ultimate freedom did you ever have any run-ins with the law there that you're saying that you had some freedoms in yeah we had run-ins with the law yeah and it and it was just another proof of our uh our special mm. position in that little time extreme period. privilege yeah, extreme privilege yeah like, do you want me to get specific? No, I don't. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say that like I had some run-ins, but I'm not about Just to. Generally, I'm not no, about to tell anyone about my run-ins right not now. Not any stories. Yeah. You no, I mean. You want a story? Yeah, tell me a about story? it. Yeah, you have a story about a run-in with the law. Well, I can think of several. Okay. But um, you remember Amir? No, I think that was before my era. No, I don't know. It okay. definitely was. At the very beginning. Yeah. But it trailed into several years, so you yeah. you were with around with but Amir was um maybe I shouldn't be so specific. I said his <laughs> I can I, I can said bleep his name. it out. <laughs> okay, well I'll just I stick bleep. with the first name and so Amir was yeah. was an African country's uh diplomat's son. Okay. I won't say specifics, right? Yeah. But that was pretty specific. Not the an African American. No, an African country. Yep. He was the son of a diplomat. Yeah. Who was, so the diplomat was there. Right. And they had some 
diplomatic residence and mm. the son was there mm. and so of course family members of a diplomat also, also carry passport diplomatic ids right yeah. a passport and so they are treated as a diplomat so we would have parties every weekend you know we're like young and stupid and yeah. we have parties every weekend just kind of like almost like american freaking frat stupid drinking parties and of course, our neighbors probably hated us, and I can't even remember ever even meeting one of them. You know, we were mm. so stupid and neglectful. It's like we don't even, I don't even ever remember a face of one of my neighbors. <laughs> right, we're, we're so tunnel. So you're a bunch of dudes living in an apartment. Right, right, mm. on the 18th floor in Shanghai. I remember it was 1804. That was my first apartment that I right. got with my two French friends. Mm. Anyway, so we'd have like a party like every weekend and it was packed and it was debaucherous and loud. And yeah, so many times, many times the police came and more than once a mirror was there and mm. I would answer the door. And of course, I'd have all these thoughts that there's actually police coming to the house in China. It can be scary. Yeah. And we have a whole lot of debaucherous things going on yeah and I'm, contraband I'm, yeah contraband that's a good word <laughs> and so i'm wondering like what i'm going to be faced with and so i open the door yeah. and there's the language barrier automatically and there and there's like a I, there's like a hallway full of like a bevy a, of police av- officers. a bevy of your average police officer yeah. if they don't look like SWAT, neighborhood cops neighborhood cops you know they look like old men but the serious yeah. <laughs> ex- serious expression they're small yeah and we're looking at them and I probably have no idea what they're saying, but I can get the gist that they're yeah. like, they're not stoked. <laughs> they're not stoked. <laughs> okay. And so then, more than once, yeah, Amir would then approach from behind me and say, I got this, I got this, and kind of shuttle me out of the way, shuffle yeah. me out of the way. And he would he produce mm. his diplomatic identification. Mm. And I saw this with my own eyes. Yeah. The... The neighborhood cops yeah. would then suddenly stand to attention, mm. and then I, well, you would see something strange. You're like they're they're standing to attention, and then the next thing they would do was salute, <laughs> and I would be like, "Oh hell yeah, this is <laughs> this is good." That's so funny. <laughs> they would salute, and they would leave. It and would be leave. like attention, salute, about face. <laughs> I'd be like, this is the shit. <laughs> so, but that's so funny because that's literally a different type of privilege, though, because that's like an actual. It's the next. Like, it's just another little. Yeah, loophole. diplomatic community is yeah, like an actual totally. thing. You so know, now we're like the we're like the diplomats. Yeah, yeah. There's something. You know what I think about Shanghai? It was like, um, it was very free and it was very nice. I just thought it looked so nice. Like, I just thought it looked great. I thought it looked great, too. Dude. I always compared it. I mean, there's not really an actual visual comparison in my mind that was um, when I say this. Yeah. But it's just something funny I would say. It's like Gotham City. Yeah. People yeah. said Gotham City or people went with Star Wars, like a right. like a Cloud City or like just... Right. A... It's, it's something to do with not only... Endless tall buildings and lights. It's the elevated highways that yeah. run through them. Yeah, it, that's when people start saying the things. Yeah. Like, Whoa! What the hell? And is at this? the same time, as it's like tens of thousands of high rises and all these levels of 
elevated highways snake in between them and weaving in and out of each other. Everything is also janky at the same There's, time. It's dusty. It, it Well, not everything is janky. No, but it's a mix. Some things are immaculate. Yeah. And then there's tons of janky. Surprisingly there, janky there, stuff. Yeah, and then there's post-immaculate. Yeah. There, it's, it, and then there's just archaic, yeah. ancient, all mixed in there. Yeah. It's pretty badass. Yeah. And... And the people that you see on the streets represent those same descriptions of buildings. Oh, yeah. We just, yeah. So. Yeah, I had this one friend who would was a photographer who would take pictures in Shanghai and who got really tired of it because whatever picture you took, it always became a picture that to a Westerner was really on the theme of the contrast between old and new. Right. Because you could never get a picture that was anything else. Every picture had like old something really old or something old new. And, new. And it's at some point you get tired of having that be the theme of every single photo you exactly. take. Because at some point you want to come up with a different theme. Right. But as, as for a new experience, we've never yeah. seen something like that. It's it's shocking. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's, mm. it's a strange world with lots of exploration to do. It's, and one of the good looking things about Shanghai that I really, that I, maybe it's just in my mind, it's like, Especially in summer, the whole city had this like color that was like a yellow orangey color because it was this, it was like the pollution and this really intense sunlight. Oh. Yeah, but it right. just like the daytime just had this weird the orange old facades. Yeah, everything was so yellowed, right, right, and everything was reflecting off of the yellowness with the pollution, right. and it just had this like cloud city esque beautiful tint like you were looking at it through like these nice sunglasses or something yeah i loved it it was nice man it was good it was a nice time and then then once when you graduated to small motorcycles and scooters yeah in the city it's literally the it's another new world it's the best thing all the years i spent on buses and subways and in cabs in that city there, it's it, it is totally a new world when you get on that motorcycle. Yeah, you're in the on the motorcycle with, a, with like a thousand ancient bikes and mopeds and motorcycles yeah. around you. You're like a tiny little minnow in a school of fish, and you can run through every stop sign and stop light and get everywhere anywhere faster than any other. And and one thing that was really unique about that was how. The streets, like seventy percent of a street street, would be allocated to two wheeled vehicles. Oh yeah. So there would be like two lanes for cars and right. like five lanes for oh, bikes yeah. and everything else. And and the bikes bleed into anything. I like the no rule system. It's kind of like mm. it's like the law of nature. It's like and if you fuck up, you might die. But basically, it's like it. One way to represent that thought is in China. If your car can get out in front of another car, <laughs> physically, it, physically, yeah, then it's that other car's job to not hit you because yeah. you got there first. Yeah. It's not about yeah. some unknown law that everyone follows yeah. or some underlying law that everyone follows. It's nature's law. Your yeah. car was there first, therefore he has to stop. <laughs> you know, I I had some moments when I really wasn't very careful and uh, sometimes I still like Dude, I, I got hit by cars like head on head on I had this one moment where that I you know there was a lot of drunk moments and a lot of 
big bridges and stuff, but I had this one tiny moment that I really think back on when I was in like, it's a three lane, one way street and I'm in the right lane and I'm going to turn left and I just go and I don't oh, look no. and I'm on this like <laughs> tiny little moped, little gasoline moped yeah. and I just turn left through yeah. all these lanes and I'm not looking and there's this massive van coming from behind and he's honking and he's swerving out of the way not to hit me totally. and I just like, whoa, I forgot to look. I forgot to look, but you were there first. Sometimes I still think about that right. and how close that was to me becoming a paraplegic. I mean, I've seen people die on the streets there. Yeah, me too, I, man. I saw, and the funny thing about China is, it's a, it's kind of a spectacle when something morbid or gruesome or fatal happens. You don't get to just stare at the dude that's dead or dying. No. You shouldn't. No, you, you shouldn't. You you shouldn't. You might want to take a peek. You rubbernecking as you're going by. Like, the, I've seen someone die on a two-wheeled vehicle in China in the middle of the road, and what happens is it's a spectacle. There's yeah. Like, suddenly, there's like 50 people just permanently bunched up around the side. And they stand there with their hand clasped behind their back, and real, they just stand and look. casual, you know? Yeah. Like, if... Here, if you were going to actually engage a situation like that, mm. so with so much attention, you'd be like trying to like, you'd be one of the ones like, hey, let's let's elevate the leg. Let's. But I mean, I still think people get helped. It's I, just you, that for you sure, but end I, up with seventy I people. I do standing. think there's a lack of sympathy. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a, it's a you know it's a much more mechanical relationship with each other in a lot of ways. It's about just being too many people, you know? Well, I mean, that part really plays into this other thing, this concept of how in China it's a very big thing that when someone gets hurt, when there's an accident, the richer person always has to pay the poorer person, regardless of what the fault was. So you have poor people jumping in front of cars. It's called like are, which means like broken porcelain, which means to just fake an injury. And it's common, and that's a big... Oh, yeah. It's a big corrupting like, are thing. Are you really hurt? Yeah, it's a thing where people like, don't want to help. People are dying. really disincentivized right. to help someone because you right. don't want to get involved because there's well, a big money thing. That's how it is in those cultures, you know? It I remi mean... It reminds it... me of my uncle. My uncle, who spent a lot of time in Afghanistan, he told me that he was friends with like a rich family in Afghanistan. And the divide in the 70s in Afghanistan between rich and poor was, I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. And so th these people, the rich people, they had like walled compounds with guards and lots of nice cars and stuff. And mm. outside it's like absolutely destitute. And so he, my uncle goes to borrow one of their vehicles. He's going to go out and explore. and they, And the family tells him, if you hit somebody, make sure they're dead. It's cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper to pay for a dead person than than a permanently wounded one. Yeah, that's awful. Right. And I don't think that that's really what it's like in China. And I don't think I'm not comfortable saying this thing about how poor people jump in front of BMWs as an indictment of all of Chinese society because Chinese people are very cognizant of this and how it's a problem and how it's really dark and how it's really shitty and how they want to change it and fix it. Like you get videos like that on the internet and then it creates this enormous debate in China of like, guys, 
this fucking sucks because yeah. it's very commonplace. Yeah, like yeah. I remember this one time when I was living in Beijing working for the Swedish Chamber of Commerce, we organized a little event where Swedes came and listened to this historian just talk about stuff. It was a walking tour where he walked us through 10 blocks and talked about the history of different things. Right. And then so we invited our network and this guy, God, I wish I could remember his name because I'm still Facebook friends with him. He's a Swedish banker. He was the head of Swede Bank in China. And so I'm walking with him and we're kind of talking and we're walking on the sidewalk in China. And then a little kid, like a four-year-old runs out because the kid is playing and crashes into his leg and like falls over and like bonk, bonks up against the wall. And then this grandma comes out and it's like, dude, he just crashed into a foreigner. And the grandma immediately grabs both of us really hard by the arm and starts crying about how bad this is and how badly hurt the kid is. Right. And she calls the cops oh, and we yeah. end up in the police station. Well, you're like, oh, there goes the rest of the day. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> there goes the rest of the day. Second of all, real stressful, you know. Yeah. But it was a very multi-layered uh, situation because the mom... The grand, the grandma or auntie or whatever, she was really like proud and she was really like, these foreigners have to apologize. This is not about money. Blah, blah, blah. And the cops... But didn't you apologize already? Oh, we apologized plenty. Emphatically, but she wants yeah. like official apology. And then the cops were very like, yeah, this situation is kind of shitty. And they were very uh, mellow about right. it. Right. And like, very level-headed. Right. Where they just want to be these arbiters. Honestly... Chinese neighborhood cops. Oh, they're good. I think they're they are great. very good because right. they are just these arbiters. It's not like in the U.S. No, they're in just the U.S. These... They seem like they're really trying to get you for any infraction. Yeah. to tax you. Yeah, it's so, very confrontational. So they can collect fines for the, the government. Yeah. In China, they really are much more diplomatic yeah and they're engaging a problem like more like a social worker yeah a lot of it and they're very good at it because yeah, they do no, it all day right. they come in they de-escalate they get everyone individually and just talk to everyone to yeah, see what happened sure. and then they try to figure something mm -hmm. out so this was like we just sat in a room in the police station for like a while yeah and she was just repeating herself and the cops oh, were like yeah, pretty really. bored right, and then the eventually point. she was like okay well you have to pay forty dollars like, eventually it was done. about money Done. <laughs> and Done. then we were kind of offended because she had been talking about how this isn't about money. This right. is about how these foreigners have right. offended us. And then we're like, bro, so now we have to give you money after you had, all of you, that? You pulled your offended card. You didn't You didn't say. I mean, we just sat there. Here we go. <laughs> Finish the transaction. <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> you didn't. You then drug it out more. <laughs> no, we obviously. Finish no, the mean, transaction. Yeah, bro. we gave her that 350 choir or whatever. That, bro, you which know, was... we should open these car doors for a minute. It's starting to get hot in this thing. And then if we if we turn on Jack's car, it's just going to be like... No, 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 no. We're just going to sit in this heat. But you just know what we're going to do? It's going to get hotter. No, no, you know what we're going to do? It's we're going to go to the water. We're going to go to the water. Yeah, you said a tonic water review. You didn't say in a sauna. <laughs> So, you know, I think that, oh, like, a little burst exchange of fresh air. Here, let's, on three, we get a little wind tone. Here we go. Okay. Look. Oh. Oh, fuck, that's nice. Oh. Because no, it got oh, so yeah. hot. It was baking. I think we're going to have to have, like, an automatic <laughs> air exchange. Every, every, every 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Every go. 15 minutes, we got to do a refresher. But we can do a water now, right? All right.
So this is a local brand that I picked up here in the store in South Carolina. This water is from Georgia. It's Montaigne. called Blue Springs Montaigne. First flavor we're doing here. It's cu like, cucumber lime, is that like, it? It smells like cucumber and it smells like artificial lime. Okay, there you go. You're on the path. So let's try it. How is it already so hot in here? <laughs> Let's try it's it. It's so Maybe funny we'll... how hot it is in here. Let's no, try... no, don't touch well, the don't car. Don't get aggressive about it. What <laughs> if we just turn it on and if it's not too loud? Then... No. <laughs> I don't think the key is in the ignition. I, there's not. If there's a button, there's not a key. Okay. If, if there's a button, there's not an, an ignition. Oh, you hear that German engineering just roaring to a little Audi. We have Look to... at Jack's car. He's got, he's got this really nice car. Yeah. He's got 20 miles left in the gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try the first one, though. It it smells cucumbery. What does it taste like, Matt? But it's cold. It tastes like sparkling water with a fucking cucumber lime aftertaste. Yeah. So, in China, did you ever try the... Um, <laughs> did you ever try the cucumber-flavored Lay's potato chips? Yes. Are you a fan? I don't remember. I just remember the, the weird flavored stuff Dude, like Thanksgiving or turkey, spicy turkey, drumlet, <laughs> drumstick turkey spice and stuff. Or, and, I re and I absolutely remember the cucumber flavored yeah. chips. I really, and I'm sure, I bet you, you ate them with me because you always got all the weird shit. Open, Here, the, let's, let's, open the thing. Let's say hi to Jack. He's coming. Jack, what's up? Well, we, turn, we turn the whip on to get a little yeah. AC. You're totally fine. I was just going to let you know it only has 20 miles. Oh, I, we are already commented on that on the podcast. Bro. <laughs> I know. Can I do it like that, you think? I think you probably can. So, um, the cucumber potato chips really landed with me. And they taste like some sort of chemical cucumber thing. Oh. And yeah. this is more like the chemical cucumber thing from the Lay's potato chips right. in the China market than it right. is like chewing on a cucumber. But right. I like it, actually. You have to give it a score from 0 to 10, be honest. I'm going to have to start at around a 2, considering it. Yeah, that's fine. 2. Yeah, okay. I'm going to give it a 6.5, because this is pretty good. Matt, what's your earliest memory from when you were a kid? Well... I think I have a flash, you know, for me, a memory would be like one picture, a picture with like maybe a feeling connected to it. I don't have like a, a movie reel of scenes. So the one picture I have was my grandfather in Laguna Beach, California, coming to pick me up from daycare. And my mom told me that was somewhere around two years old. And mm -hmm. I just remember being in a long room and I'm near the back of the room and I can see the door open on the other side of that long room mm. and I can see my grandfather's face walking up some stairs mm. and the other kids kind of crouched around and a bunch of toys mm. and me looking at him coming coming in that room to pick me up so your grandfather's not alive anymore no but you remember him I remember him very well I mean he lived until I was probably about 22 or mm. 3 and he was a, That's beautiful. He was a great friend. Good guy. That's cool. How did you learn so much about nature and plants and animals? I was as a child I um I spent a lot of my time alone 
I, mm. I, I like to fish and explore in the woods and hunt and make weapons. Mm. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And yeah. I, like, I had posters all over my wall of animals and stuff like that. I just like that stuff. So I just collect the information. That's nice. I never really, I never really got that. The nature, or I had a very hybrid upbringing where, like, we I grew up in this little Swedish village next to a forest, right, with a like, creek, and you play in the creek, and you try to make a little dam, and you play in the forest, and you're chasing the sheep around and stuff. But it's yeah. like, I never really, I don't know. I was always a city boy at heart, you know. Right. It wasn't like a lifestyle. No. It was like, you know. You know, when I got to Shanghai, it was just like. I just felt more at home there than I had ever felt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a shame. I understand. I understand. It's a shame. You know why it's a shame? Because I have come to realize that all human beings, we all have a hard code, and our hard code is that we want to live in it to be happy, to feel fully satisfied. We have to live in adherence with the hard code, and the hard code is to live in a tribe, to have a network, to feel like you depend you're securely attached to the people around you and you know who you are in relation to them and you know who they are and you have a mate and you have some kids and you are physically active and like there's these basic things right. and you can fight those things and right. be like no i'm no, gonna live alone i'm special i'm, I'm special di- i'm different i'm gonna live in the city right. i'm never gonna have kids when you fight the hard code you never get to that highest level of yes. peace and harmony, and I believe I, I would agree that that's an integral nature. Yeah, and my first thought when you say that is that each of us mm-hmm. have special differences within that hard code. Lots of caveats and lots right. of differences. Yes, and those those mm-hmm. are what propel us into different passions and levels yes. of attainment that we would like to reach. Absolutely, and like. It's not like we have to live completely in nature, like whatever, it's fine. But no. there's just like, there's just actual things right. of like a human being, you put the human being in green nature and you do clinical trials on it and it's going to come out that the person is just a little bit happier in green nature every once in a while. But it sucks because I really feel like I programmed myself to to just love cities and to be like this person that's never gonna have kids and that just hates everything and but those are thoughts of a young person yeah but i stayed with that longer than i should have you're, you're a stayer in that way yeah i stayed with it yeah, yeah and then now i have done a couple of years of deprogramming work right. but it's just like it just feels like i got a late start to it when you break away from your first family mm-hmm. and you go out as an individual yeah you're then really really trying hard to identify yourself and build up your 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 identity Mm -hmm. you know and we all tend to have the same kind of thoughts in a way like i don't need kids i'm special i'm gonna live this wild life uh and then that's like you're trying to solidify your identity which in a way it's the natural way to help you propel yourself through that stage of your growth you gotta you have to have an identity then now you start getting into your 30s and your 40s like us then you start to shed away some of those stuff it's the same thing as the same thing as like wisdom versus versus intellect wisdom is when you start to learn the lessons of life and you you become humble 
and you learn how much you don't know. Mm. You don't have this grandiose ego of how smart you are and how much you know, like a young person may have who's extra smart. An extra smart young person still doesn't have the wisdom to know that they actually still don't know shit, mm-hmm. reg- regardless of their IQ. So that, yeah. I can apply that same thing to a person's character. You know? Yeah. You know? Yes, it's very analogous because it, yes. it is a feeling of staring down the like infinite black abyss of all the things I don't understand about myself and so forth. It's so, also like you try to find that identity on your own, but then you get to a point where you realize that... I don't know if you feel the same way, but like I can't define my identity in a in a single player way it has to be defined in relationship to me finding a position of how i'm connected to people absolutely my greatest desire and fulfillment in life is to fulfill the people around me i don't strive to make money to hoard it all Mm. and drive a ferrari you know i want i'd like to make a lot of money so that everybody with me can feel good you know yeah we can we you know i can take care of make people not be desperate and help people around me and have fun together you know? yeah and that's the community you know yeah for me i i understand totally my whole desire is to have a big dinner where everyone eats a really nice meal together and we have a lot of joy together yeah. you know like we just did right? when we went to a nice seafood place and we were like there was like 12 of us and and you picked up the check for everyone right because did you do that absolutely and that's and that's and you tip them really well every time too and that's what's important that was a very good halibut it was good it was good and you know i've served people a lot of halibut back in seattle and i used to work at a place called five hooks fish grill run by this little japanese family where we had different cuts of fish and when we got nice halibut in, it's so buttery, and we would deep fry it and turn it into fish and chips. Or we would do oh, these, yeah. like, plates, like what we had today, where you have some mash and some veggies, oh, little yeah. seafood, little the seaweed halibut. salad on the side and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's so buttery and fatty. It's, like, really greasy, like the Alaska Seattle halibut. But um, the halibut here is leaner. Here, this was, like, kind of a lean, flaky, white... Cajun grilled is what right. I got. That's it was good, I man. Too. Halibut for me is one of the kings of the flaky white fish. Yeah. You know, a snapper and a halibut mm. that are damn good. What was that restaurant called? Flying Fish. Flying Fish in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Five stars. Matt, have you ever been in a physical fight? No, actually. Dave just texted me. How's South Carolina treating you? Oh, yeah. A little shout out to Dave there. Dave Phillips. Dave Phillips. What's up, Shout bro? out. Okay. Have you ever been in a physical fight? Only only for fun. <laughs> only with my friends. <laughs> Dude, we used only to do... Only when someone's in serious pain, the other person kind of lets off, and they're like, I love you, bro. <laughs> in Shanghai, we did so much physical, right. well, strenuous, we were violent. Young, young bucks. Yeah, it was so brotherly. Young bucks, drunk young bucks. You know. Yeah, it's... just like to everyone, totally. like t- ten French guys and you and me, and everyone takes their shirt off, and it's, it's like two and two, and and you got to wrestle it out. It's funny how human and similar we all are. Yeah, no matter where around the globe. 
yeah. whatever culture you're from. When yeah. it comes down to it, dudes do stupid stuff, have fun yeah. together, drink, and like to smash each other's faces into the ground and laugh about it. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're damn sweet or ostentatious French fuck or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Dumb, classless American. We still all like to just yeah. be fairly primitive together. Yeah. It was fucking primitive, dude. Yeah. And it was such a pure... It's pure. It's it good. was so pure. It was like... You don't hit each other. You just do throws and grappling yeah. and choke holds. Yeah, you can almost make someone pass out <laughs> if, <laughs> if they're still try. If they're still struggling, you can you can keep you can, going. You can squeeze as hard as you can. Yeah. yeah. As soon uh, as they stop struggling or start you tapping, should be brotherly and stop squeezing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what do you do when you're in a sauna and you need, <laughs> and you need to pee? And we're back. You know, thinking back on how we used to just all wrestle and take our shirts off and like push all the couches away oh, and yeah. make a big space in the living room. I mean, and it wasn't always that official. No, but sometimes. And then sometimes it was like outside in the garden on the grass and different or things. just impromptu, you know, real yeah. quick in the hallway, smash someone's face into the wall. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 thinking back on it, it amazes me how it was very rarely done to hash out beefs no like that's never what it was about it wasn't person a is mad at person b it was like when we were in a state of pure love and there was no tension it's a bunch of young guys together yeah having fun but no one ever used it as an excuse to smash the face of your enemy no it would have you don't hash anything out that way like oh yeah no, no you hash things out when it's like Two dudes are both sleeping with the same girl, and you have to talk about it now and be like, who likes her more? Right. And you hash it out, and you go to dinner. Right. I remember. I remember Cammie and me were both kind of sleeping with Renee at the same time, <laughs> and he took me out to dinner and was like, so, uh, Come what on. are we doing here? Here you go, right? And I was so much more into her than right. he was. You were a little more tightly wound about that. I was very tightly wound. <laughs> <laughs> I was tightly wound, and I was really into her. Right. And... I couldn't say that out loud, so I was like, well, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess we're okay. You can, you, can, you can have her, I guess. And then it was just up to her, obviously, and right, she well, just picked him. Maybe because you knew that deep down anyway. It's not like you could yeah. say that, put your cards on the table, and you would be weak. Yeah. And it's That's and, a, and that doesn't even wouldn't even have made a difference because no. it's up to her, right? Yeah, it's a horrible defeat yeah, to be like, sure. like I to like be... her more, please let me have her and then she chooses <laughs> him in the end. It's like, yeah, it's might as well just just act like a bro, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And I acted Start like a bro. Fucking hot in here. Okay, let's do the next cold water, okay? Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Blue Springs, Montaigne, sparkling spring water, grapefruit peach. You ready for this? I guess they, each flavor is a combination of two flavors. <laughs> so like, Smell it? Yeah. It's not a very clear flavor. I distinctly smell grapefruit and peach. Just like This doesn't smell very real to me. You, this smells like real grapefruit to you? Absolutely. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let's have a sip. It smells more like peach, but then... But then you're smelling the peach and you smell some citrus. What you think is the smell of peaches is like a chemical. 
You think I think I'm drinking real peaches here? <laughs> <laughs> it's not economically viable to squeeze a bunch of peaches <laughs> down to flavor this water. No, but you only need a tiny bit because it's very watery. Try it. Let's try it. Tonic, I like this a lot. Tonic water. Really going after that peach water, aren't you? Yeah, so it's mostly peach. It's a little bit of grapefruit. I like this one a lot. This is an 8 out of 10 for me. Perfect. Give it a score. Two. Two, two out of 10. Okay. Blue Springs Montaigne, sparkling spring water. Okay, next question. So what do you think the deal is with COVID? Where is it from? What What are they trying to do with it? This is another complex issue. I'll tell you one thing is that I don't wear a mask very often. Yeah, your brother got kind of mad when I told him to wear a mask. Yeah, sure. I'm sure there's plenty of people that'll get mad for him doing that. Yeah. Your brother got mad at me because I was like, put your mask on. Right. And then behind him came a large, large man who was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, just like me. And I was like, look, He's another man. wearing a mask. Another man with a Hawaiian shirt. And he was wearing a mask, and his mask said, Trump 2020. Hell it was yeah. a beautiful moment in South Carolina. <laughs> That's right. Just walking around on a different yeah, planet over right. here. That's right. You know. Just an unimaginable different situation. I mean... So what about these forest fires? How does that fit into everything? What is the... Like, what is the mega trend here? Because you were talking about a mega trend, which applies to all countries. It applies to COVID. It applies to the forest fires. It applies to the infringement of the rights of the American. You know, what is the mega trend? Do you really need me to? It's some sort of they want to take over the world and create a globalist uh, monopoly, single government, or something simple like that, or something complicated, or you know, I'll allow you to frame me in such a sim <laughs> simplistic well, definition like that. I'm good with that. You know, I could stick with that mm. without trying to explain it all. Okay, that's so zen of you. I really, <laughs> really, I have to say that I really, really respect the fact that you can say that. Because that's really nice. That shows extreme maturity. <laughs> so mature. We used to get hot. We used to get so hot. And now we just sit in a car, which is like a sauna. All right. I'm not even waiting for your directive. My side is opening up. Okay. Doors are cool. open. We like halfway touched on politics, so it heated up twice as fast in the car. <laughs> My last thing to say about politics, yeah. unless you ask another question after this, which incites another <laughs> retort, is this. Just like we shouldn't fight about differences of opinion and we need to come to meaningful compromises and actually put each other in each other's shoes mm -hmm. and understand each other, is the opposing sides of the issues where they're framed mm. in the paradigm of red and blue, mm -hmm. conservative, progressive, male, female, mm -hmm. religions, I think that these are dialectic tactics used and framed and encouraged in the media and universities that if you find yourself on one side or the other, I feel like you have already been trapped in this exacerbation 
of this paradigm, this dialectic paradigm mm. in the media, it, it's I think it's 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 really really negative. So let me agree with you, and say that whenever you in America you have these two buckets, the left bucket and the right bucket. If you find yourself agreeing with ninety five percent or more of the stuff in your bucket, you're kind of a patsy. Yeah, like you're kind of like you can't randomly end up right. with right. out of all the different opinions on all the different issues. Yeah. You just accidentally end up in the exact matrix exactly. of everyone else. Completely agree with that initial instinct of yours. Yeah. There we have the initial instinct. Then we happen to be that I agree with like 60% of the stuff in the left wing American bucket right. and you agree with 60% of the oh, stuff in the right wing exactly. bucket. But, but yeah. And I remember no way yeah. makes you or me a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. It's, no, I, it's a joke. I can't vote in this country cause I'm from a different country, but so yeah, growing up in Sweden, I remember already having that instinct when I was Swedish, I was thinking about politics. I was thinking about different issues and I found myself gravitating towards conclusions that were like on the left. And then I found myself surrounded by people who had the same conclusions, but they were like obviously idiots. Yeah. And there's like this perverse, gross feeling when you are talking to someone where you actually agree on the conclusion, but you know that they're, they, they have somehow just... <laughs> They, they didn't do any of the work to get up it's there. Because they're identifying with the main Yeah, and they just party. kind of like, right. it's just some sort of televised yeah, thing happening in their joke. brain. There's a whole bunch of people. I mean, I have to just acknowledge how extremely arrogant and narcissistic that sounds, but it's just how I felt about it. But it, it goes along with the thing we started out with. A young person yeah. looking for their identity. Yeah. And clutching to things way too hard, yeah. and they embody it as their own. Yeah, and they'll do that with the whole list. Yeah, that's been presented to them that's acceptable in this one group. Yeah, and it's like you're just spoon fed the whole agenda of what you're supposed to believe, and now get violent and angry about it instead of actually analyzing, communicating, yeah. being human with other people, and realizing that that whole goddamn list. Is not your identity. The way it plays out in Sweden, it's actually the fundamentals, like the the basic version of the dynamic is the same, that you have these two buckets, like a left and a right. But in Sweden, yeah. it's like even more just aesthetics because the stakes are like lower because we don't have like a gun debate. We don't right. have an abortion debate. Right. We don't have any of those right. debates. Right. It's just a question of like, should we lower the taxes a little bit or raise the taxes right. a little bit? Let me so, ask you, do you yeah. think that all the Western countries have the basic two bucket, two opposing systems, or three, but basically the two main ones. Do you think that that's an accident? Left viewpoint or one yeah. regurgitated right viewpoint? Yeah. The media. It's a, it, There's nothing in between. There's no new idea. There's this great television show called Boss that only ran for one season and then it was canceled where Kelsey Grammer is playing the mayor of Chicago. And it's about Chicago politics and Illinois politics and all these aldermen vying for power and all this stuff. And there's like these powerful... Chicago is really a fascinating, very, very corrupt thing. And there's this um, sort of powerful 
uh, rich lobby in the background that controls everything. And the thing they keep saying is how what they want is change on the outside and consistency on the inside. Oh, yeah. And that's... And that's like how you see... That's something you will project onto everything. Oh, yeah. And then I don't project that onto everything oh, that yeah. hard. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> yeah, you project that very hard, hard onto everything. Hard. I, yeah. I live by it. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I'm not falling for this scam. Where it's like change on the outside, yeah, consistency on the inside. It's all a scam to me. But I... I feel like things are a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more right. that people are a little bit less in control than you think. Right. That's where we disagree right. a little bit. Do you know that the the private banks mm. that control the currencies of every country yeah. in the entire world except yeah. for a very few countries are owned by the same people? <laughs> All banks are owned by the same people? The same. Okay, what are those people, Matt? <laughs> tell me about those people. We're going to get too deep in some no, weird No, just tell conspiracy. me who those people are. But then it, we're going to put it into like half the people in the world believe of it and half of the other people in the world don't believe in it. Yeah. but it's So it's way you know, fewer it's, than half that believe it, but, do a but little what about research. these forest fires? How did they start the fires? Tell me what you told me yesterday. How do they start the fires? Okay. California's a fucking tinderbox, mm -hmm. and a lot of things start fires, and mm -hmm. it starts with negligence. I think we should probably end this question with the final note that leads everyone into the thing where they think I'm a kook, mm -hmm. and I would suggest them to do... Some research that's not the yep. peripheral little fucking Google search. Mm -hmm. And just look at pictures of and information about energy-directed weapons. Mm -hmm. Energy-directed weapons. And there are pictures of this where these satellite-mounted energy-directed weapons... I didn't say satellite, but oh, you okay. could probably assume. I'm not saying where it comes from or who does it or whatnot. That's another whole conversation. But there's a lot of pictures where you can see a death ray, a Tesla ray, mm. coming down to Earth. And it, it sometimes it looks like this perfect laser beam, almost fire-looking laser beam. Yeah. And sometimes there's pictures of it where it's like really, really wide. There's like an extremely wide, perfect, straight beam coming down infinitely from the sky that's yeah. really wide with lightning bolts all surrounding it. It looks like some sort of Tesla coil yeah. thing. Now, a first thought, though, is obviously it seems like a very, very, very expensive way to start a fire. Because fires are like like a caveman can start a fire? Well, people go around starting them. Actual people that have gone around and started a lot of these fires. You so, know, figure it let's out. zoom in on one thing zoom here. Zoom in. I'm sweating. Americans, Americans have this really unique way. Americans on the right have a very unique way of using the expression, I have been doing research. 
Right. And it's a way, it's a phrase that no one on the left says. Like if someone on the left says, I have been doing research, it means that a university gave them a grant to go to Hawaii to stay on a no, desolate island sure island to look at birds. It, it means that they it means that they read like the top Google search hits and or looked up some that's yeah. what they mean when no, they say. No, I'm saying they don't say that. You can whatever we agree or disagree on. People on the left don't say that. They don't, they don't say they research. The way people who are, for example, flat earthers say that they have been research. doing research right. is very what unique. You say. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we exhausted it. <laughs> exhausted. What, what, we exhausted what? the politics. Yeah, totally. Maybe I don't even put that in. There. Totally different question now. Why do you think you stayed in Shanghai for so long? I felt special. It was unique. And it made me feel special. You know, I'm always like trying to write a novel, right? And I wrote like several novels and they were like not good. And I keep throwing them away. And then throw them away. this year I finished a novel. I think it's kind of like my fourth novel. Novel length thing that I wrote. And I'm very happy about it. But uh, the first page ends with this line that's the beginning and the end of the novel where he says... I was made to feel special, so it took me a long time to realize that I wasn't. And that's really how I feel about right. Shanghai. Yeah. Because sure. it was very confusing. And it kind of led me down the wrong path. Like, it was very corrupting yeah. how we were made to feel special. Do you agree with that? Yes, I agree. But mm. being led down the wrong path is the only way you know what the right path is. Yeah. You can't know it's the wrong path unless you walk down it. That's right. And mm -hmm. now in business, I don't respect somebody that hasn't made the mistakes. Mm -hmm. When I ask somebody about their experience and and I'm, I'm gauging their usefulness to me, mm -hmm. I ask them about their mistakes. And if they're not honest and if they don't have the details about those mistakes that mm. I have experienced myself to where mm. I really know that they went through it and the failures, the failures and the mistakes and the wrong paths are what build us and give us the knowledge to do the right mm. thing. That's how I gauge a person in business. That's how I've given myself power to not get down about problems or mistakes I've made. Because they are, when you understand it the way I'm speaking about, it's th these things empower you. Without the knowledge of how not to do it, you're always going to have to learn it at some point. There's very few humans on earth that can actually listen to their father tell them not to drive the car fast or and you're going to get an accident or not do this and this stupid shit. You got to actually like make the failures yourself and multiple times to to know not to. Yeah, I'm very hard on myself. I I make the mistakes and I learn and then I just feel bad about it all. Right. Well, but you should you should not do that. You should feel mm. good about it all. It's growth. Mm. You 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 feel bad about the growth. And if you get lost in feeling bad about it, then you don't learn the lesson mm. to grow. You know, you need to get right back up on your feet. Yeah. And. But so how did you, how long were you in Shanghai? I don't even know. Five, six years. 
And then you moved to Buenos Aires. Yes. So what what were you doing for money in Buenos Aires? <laughs> That's a real good question. What wasn't I doing for money? Or what couldn't I do for money? Yeah. <laughs> were you struggling there? Yeah. yeah. But not struggling to survive. Mm. Struggling to make the same money that I left in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was another young person decision, you know, based on uh, the romance of moving around, like being a globe traveling person and experience different cultures. And it was based on those decisions, mm. which I don't make, make my decisions like that anymore. And I'm glad I did then. Mm. And so, you know, it, it was the romance, the romance of moving from one exotic place to another. Yeah. Saying like, I've learned Chinese, now I'm going <clears> to <throat> learn Spanish. Mm. I'm going to learn this culture. And the culture here is supposed to be awesome. It's supposed to be really fun. It wasn't based on like economics. Mm. So in China, there was automatically all these economics that worked. Mm. In uh, Argentina, there wasn't. And I didn't have any of any of that thought out ahead of time. Like, I felt like I was the super experienced teacher. I had taught adults and children in universities, children of every age, and I was actually very comfortable teaching, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's about getting a level of comfortability, yeah. you know? When, after you teach a lot, you just get thrown in the room, and you can, you can damn teach. You don't need a lesson book. You know, you just get people engaged and talking. So yeah. I was very comfortable with that. And when I went to Argentina, I was like, I'll pick up a little bit of teaching, and I'll work on this and that. I couldn't even get fucking hired to teach anywhere mm. and the, and the teaching gigs were for like five bucks an hour mm. in china i was getting like 20 to 50 bucks an hour yeah and in argentina i couldn't even get hired for a five dollar an hour job and uh so i didn't really try to get hired there and i just kind of cruised through you know mm. i you know i went to the gym a lot my girlfriend she she made a little bit of money i I did. She was offered a job there, and that's how you moved there. No, she um, she made the same decision as me out of just you know, mm. fun young person decisions. Except she had, an she had a, a job that was translatable in a lot of ways. Like she, mm. she had writing jobs, which continued to pay her when she went there. And then she picked up more jobs there, you know, in the expat scene of writing about shopping and this and that and the Argentine culture. And um, and she also spoke French, so she had two Latin-based languages to back her up, and so mm -hmm. it was really easy for her to start getting into Spanish. And me, I was the one in China that spoke the Chinese in our, our couple. Mm -hmm. You know, I would always engage with all the landlords and all the outside world. And I really like to learn to speak Chinese. So yeah. when I went to Argentina, she kind of took over that role mm. and I didn't really learn my Spanish. You know, I just mm. kind of fell back and you know, I was just cruising there. I was like, ah, wasn't too satisfied there. There was fun stuff about it, but it wasn't like a fun, dynamic, empowering life, you know, because mm. of the economics really. I relate to that shift there. Because, like, I met Megan in China. We met in Beijing. 
lived together in Beijing, moved to a different city in China, had a certain dynamic, and then we moved to America and everything changed in terms of who who was in charge like she was suddenly we had this like nice <laughs> equilibrium when we were in china where we right. had access to the same amount of money and right. power and communication and everything right. and we went through things in a similar way and then we moved to america and, and like, this is how it is yeah and it was like <laughs> I'm in charge. We can and i was like this. super confused by yeah. everything because i'd never lived You're in america to be a, and she was just bored even though swedish people basically know as much about american culture as americans do yeah but not actual life <laughs> actual somehow. life you're like wow this really is a <laughs> big car you can't walk through the drive through and just stand there without a car you know it's not really a big thing to get over but <laughs> <laughs> that's her reaction to everything she was always like bro the just windows get over are it. like fogging up in here <laughs> yeah, the windows, can we open the, windows, the doors i'm like the windows dying. are really fogging up Dude, oh, dear god <laughs> what is happening bro it's you it's swedish heat <laughs> I'm sweating here. I didn't put deodorant on today. It's like I'm starting to <laughs> marinate in Jack's nice Audi S7. <laughs> it's gonna be like raw chicken in here for the next two weeks. <laughs> okay. Do we have to drink the last water and wrap it up to close the door? You know? No, we gotta close the doors. Oh look, here's my little baby girl. Come here, Lana. Come on, baby girl. Come here, bug. Hey, let me pick you up. You say hello. Hi. Lana, how old are you? I'm three. <laughs> yeah. I thought you weren't three yet. I'm four. Okay. <laughs> She's going to be three October 27th. Sounds so we're, we know we're making it easy. easy. I'm three. Okay. Hey, Lana, what's your whole name? Welcome to Lincoln. Can you say it again? Lana Evangeline Cardi. Yes, right. Lana That's Evangeline Cardi. That's beautiful. Yeah, you say it good. That's such a beautiful are name. Are you having a good time with Grandpa? Yeah. What are you doing? I'm just looking around for you. You're looking around for oh. me? You found us. Okay. Honey, are you happy now? You saw your daddy? I'm mommy. You go find Mommy now. Watch your fingers. Okay. Watch the fingers. <laughs> okay. Okay, and we're back. Slash, definitely keeping all that in. So, last one. Blue spring Lemon honeysuckle. Isn't that cool sounding? So let me guess. It's gonna smell like <laughs> lemon and honeysuckle. Lemon and honey. It's not, it's not like a honeysuckle. Let's smell it. So that just smells like lemon, right? Yeah. You getting like, anything else? There's a sweet thing behind it, like almost a vanilla. Yep. Okay, let's taste it. I'm almost getting like a... They really got a floral combination in there, not to make it totally honey. You know, I'm almost testing, yeah. tasting a little jasmine. Yeah, I don't... It's not very pleasant. It's a little bit gaggy. It's... It's a fl fake floral essence they've added to it. I got a jasmine on the top. Now I'm almost getting a little bit of rose, you know? It's Yeah. 
rose petal, just yeah. like potpourri. It's like, let's mix a little jasmine, fake jasmine flavor, and a little rose flavor, and call it honeysuckle. I'm surprised they didn't just go for honey, right? That's a shame, because honeysuckle is so fun-sounding, and just you could have gone... I would have gone honey, fake honey, and fake lemon. If it oh, I'm actually getting a little bit of actual honey now. Where it's like just straight honey. But honeysuckle doesn't taste that much like honey. It's no. kind of its own thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Matt. Almost the last question now. Yeah. So so yeah. what about vaccines? Are we up on all of our boosters and everything? No, we don't have any vaccines. No vaccines at all? None. Have you had any conversations with doctors? Were they... For sure. Tr tell me about that. Well, when we were giving birth, after we gave birth to Lana... We took the vitamin K pill, and, or it was actually like a, it was like a liquid in a little syringe container that they put in, put down her throat or something like that. Okay. I believe it wasn't a, we didn't do the shot, but. So why you know, do you feel like the shot is a deal breaker? The shot is a deal breaker because of this. So vaccines are good. Vaccines are real. Vaccines work. Mm -hmm. I have them, but the vaccines today are such a cornucopia of things and not just the things that they list that it's vaccinated against. There's all sort of ingredients in there and me and my conspiratorial inclined mind, mm. I think there's more in them. Then there's even listed, you know, mm. and so it's not like, oh, I choose my daughter to be vaccinated against uh, measles and stuff. No, I can't just go get a real vaccination that it's proven to be just that. I can't go get the ones that I'm okay with. It's just like a mm. congressional bill these days. All this other shit included in yeah. there, which actually every person should be opposed to certain things yeah. of it. It's not this all-inclusive thing. So I'm not into <laughs> that with too the bad. vaccines. And I feel like... Uh, and the doctor... So I'll go back to where we started. Yeah, After we gave birth to Lana, yeah. I was really insulted by a doctor who came in the room. And he automatically was on his high horse and talking down to us about not wanting to vaccinate our daughter. He didn't tell us, like, I understand where you're coming from. I know you love this person so much. And this vaccine, these vaccines do have a whole bunch of stuff in there that some people could be questionable about. You know, he didn't start with anything like that, like mm -hmm. actually catering to us and actually honoring that we're people thinking about stuff instead of just being spoon-fed with his opinion or what he wanted to do. Mm. He didn't honor any of that. He was very, very brash and bullish about it all. And he told me something which absolutely irritated me. He said, he said, read this pamphlet. It's going to tell you everything you need to know about it. Like, we're like doctors. We're, we know what's everything in here. Read this pamphlet. And He's like, well, the last thing you need to do is go on the internet and read anything about it. And he's like, all that stuff is bullshit. And I was like, you're a fucking doctor, dude, and you're telling me that every bit of information I'm going to read online is bullshit and that I don't have a discerning mind enough to, like, maybe have some sort of idea of 
what things may be extreme and true and this and that. Of course, there's so much bullshit on the internet, but the internet is basically the record of most human knowledge. There's absolute Mm. truths, there's absolute lies, and there's very various combinations thereof. Yeah. And to to be that insulting Mm. to tell me, like, read this pamphlet. Don't look on the internet. Don't make up your own opinion. Don't look at any facts outside of this pamphlet. And I'm a fucking doctor and I'm so smart and you need to just inject your daughter with this concoction that you won't even get to know what's in every ingredient in it. Mm. You know, I find, I find it's just, to me, it was just a demonstration of the whole problem of the whole system, you know? It's like everyone's like, oh, you're anti-vaxxers. Why can't we address the breakdown of what is exactly in these things and why can't we address getting specific vaccinations that we want that aren't the all-inclusive mysterious cornucopia cocktail why can't we address things like that yeah you know if it's really science and if it's really so innocent why can't we address getting vaccines the specifics ones we want and actually knowing what they're made up of that's too bad. It's a real failure of. It's a real failure of society and medicine that you're describing there. It's very sad. It's very sad. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry that that's how it went. Yeah. It's too bad. I. It's just to me. It's just a demonstration of the whole thing. It's too bad. That makes me sad. I'm sorry. You know, like you wait until you have a little baby girl and you start to wonder what is actually in this vaccine. Well, I'll probably go to Sweden and do it all in Sweden. And I have 99% trust in Swedish healthcare. <laughs> I have about <laughs> 60% trust in American healthcare. It's pretty good. All right. But then, well, you would know, you, would you base your daughter's health on 60% odds? No, I would go to Sweden. And, and okay, because well, I had I, some bad experiences in America that were very instructive okay. for me, right? In terms yeah. of understanding these people that just walk around with this chip on their shoulder. Okay. Like I had my wisdom teeth pulled, and the guy just gave me like ninety oxies. Oh yeah, for no reason. For sure, I'm like in my twenties, and I'm right. a dude. That's not a healthcare system that you trust very well. Because the pharmaceutical companies are drug dealers, and they get paid. The doctors yeah. get paid to recommend these certain treatments, which are they're sponsored by, and it's all. So the why same don't you shit. take your daughter to Sweden and and get her taken care of? Well, I've gotten my daughter taken care of by letting her get her hands dirty and getting inoculated by all sorts of bacteria mm. her whole life, and she's already not going to grow up with all sorts of weird little deficiencies and syndromes, mm. and her body's going to be inoculated and well-versed to handle all the main things yeah you know? okay and, and for me those odds are better than some 60 percent trusted mystery concoction so are you gonna homeschool her that's another whole big thing because california is insane you know like now it's you can't send your kid to school without these vaccinations and, uh, Definitely you know, can't. we're crossing these bridges when we come to them. Yeah. Because, like, there, there you're really running into a conundrum where you can't be sending totally unvaccinated kids into well, you know, schools. That's what 
we've always sent unvaccinated kids to schools, and it's been fucking fine. Not when we had societies like this. And suddenly, right now, it's not okay. I'm going to go with the natural way. Yeah. I'm going to go with the proven way. Yeah. Oh, man, I kind of regret asking about it. It feels so dark to me. It's sad. Like, my interpretation of it is so dark. Wait until you have a child. Nah, I'm not. That's not going to be a very difficult thing. Decision? That's fine. That's good. That's good, you know? At least one stress left. One stress less. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I really feel like homeschooling is... because. So it sounds like you want to send your kid to a school. And Eva does. Yeah. I, I don't really care. Yeah, because I really feel like you have this country here. And it's got all this potential, and it's got all this power, and it's this incredible engine and everything. It's this incredible, beautiful national project. But the united part of the United States of America, it's like, bro, the reason America is falling apart right now is because you guys homeschool more than any other country. Like, homeschooling is illegal in Sweden. Well, it's illegal your, in China. Your opinion of why it's well, falling apart. I mean... I think the reason why it's falling apart is that not enough people do homeschool. Yeah. Okay, great. I feel like... <laughs> I can even acknowledge how a lot of... Like, for example, in China, you have people that are all taught this one little square of information yeah, of, like, totally. patriotic we communist... invented everything on yeah. Earth. And the thing is... That the u- utility of teaching everyone the same little square right. of knowledge, even make, if half of it is not true, it does make a lot of good. It keeps ca- the good c- tax-paying automatons. It keeps the project together, where you can be good to each other, and it right. creates a lot of happiness. Right, right. But one of the basic tenets of America yeah. is individual freedom, yeah. and I think that's what cr- keeps a greater project together yeah. more than that is turn a risky every, project let's turn everyone into hey i'll take risk and freedom over take away my rights because of fear any day yeah any day but um i am so hot that i'm like really I'm almost having like a drug-like experience Bro, jack's Bro, like- car is <laughs> He's like, got this like $60,000 car. It's so hot in here. Raw fucking chicken smelling. <laughs> oh, yes. Simon. Okay, I think we have to wrap this up before oh, we ruin his car permanently. Dude. Okay, so you didn't give the last one a score. Lemon what? honeysuckle. Oh, two. No, you <laughs> thought it was worse. So you should give it a one because you gave the other ones a two. Zero. Yeah. Zero. I think this one is a five. It's worse than the other ones. Okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah. Love you, bro. Yeah. I love you. I love you. I hope you... Do, are you going to come back on the pod? If you'll have me, it was yeah. a nice Exactly. Experience. That's great. Thanks, everyone. That was our review of three flavors from Blue Springs Fontaine Sparkling Water. Lemon Honeysuckle, Grapefruit Peach, and Cucumber Lime. I want to thank Matt's brother, Jack, for letting us use his Audi S7 to record the podcast. And I want to thank Matt's mother and his whole family for their hospitality during my stay in South Carolina. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or visit americandecline.org for more information on how to support the podcast. And that brings us to our closing segment, 
sparkling water, sparkling mind. Let's see what Dave sent us this week. Squeeze your own nipples until they almost hurt, but are still tingling with pleasure. You could actually do this, or simply imagine it, or have your trusted lover pinch your nipples so hard they are on the verge of hurting, but you are still mostly feeling pleasure. Repeat this until you can simply remember the feeling of almost painful pleasure in your nipples whenever you want. The next time you feel bothered by anything at all, remember this sensation of almost painful pleasure in your nipples. Offer this feeling in your nipples to your ancestors in gratitude for the suffering they experienced so you could be born and have your nipples squeezed to pleasure. It's such a small offering for what they endured so you could be living now. It's probably also more bodily felt gratitude than you typically offer in any random moment. Offer this feeling in your nipples to everyone who has ever hurt you in any way, in gratitude for the opportunity to learn to give the pleasure from your nipples instead of the pain from your memory. Imagine that you were a great spiritual being, perhaps Jesus of Nazareth or the Buddha from India or Yeshe Tsilgyal of Tibet, or Mother Teresa from Albania. Also imagine that your whole body is as sensitive as your nipples. Imagine yourself to be your chosen holy man or woman. Radiate pleasure on the verge of pain from your whole body. Pleasure so intense, it is almost too much to bear. Imagine radiating this pleasure to all other beings. What expression do you have on your face as your whole nipple-like body offers the unbearable pleasure pain of being? Why have you chosen to show this expression more often, for real, while offering love so openly it hurts? Great spiritual beings love so much it hurts. You can too. Start with your nipples. <laughs> 